whether it's a shipping store or you know you're selling cupcakes or you're doing consulting or whatever it is provide value find ways to help your customers because that's how you're going to grow right if you have good customer service and you're doing the right thing by your customers and by your staff you will grow you will make money Hi, welcome back to an episode of Working Girl Talk. I'm your host, Abby Zufeld. Working Girl Talk is the podcast for the woman who works, where each week we dive into tips and tricks for the working woman, as well as interviews with different women making an impact. So excited to have you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. And we have an exciting episode today. So in this episode, it's a little bit different. Typically, we start off with the news. Because it will be a little bit of a longer episode, I wanted to get straight into the interview. So I'm super excited to introduce today's guest. So here's a little bit more about Lisa Song Sutton, who will be joining me today. Lisa Song Sutton is a businesswoman, entrepreneur, outspoken advocate for women and she was the and she was Miss Nevada United States 2014. She is also currently a candidate for US Congress. She is the co-founder of Sin City Cupcakes in Las Vegas, a Vegas staple. And Lisa actually earned her Juris Doctorate from University of Miami School of Law and she started her business career working at a top Vegas law firm specializing in business litigation. She then decided to go take her own path and create companies of her own. So she started her first business in City Cupcakes nearly eight years ago. And um, today, like I said, it's a Las Vegas staple. She also is the co-founder of Ship Las Vegas, Elite Homes, Christie's International Real Estate, and Liquid and Lace Swimwear. So she does it all. She's a serial entrepreneur and a super inspiring person. She's given TEDx talks. She's been a contributor for Forbes and Business Insider. In this episode, I chat with Lisa about the habits that make someone a successful entrepreneur. We learn more about her story and we learn about how to actually get into politics. So with that being said, this is not a political show, so we don't get into any of that but we do talk about how to get into politics if that's something you're interested in which I think is cool because we don't hear about that a lot and how do you even do that well you will find out so I'm super excited to have Lisa on the show and please enjoy my interview with her so I'm super excited to have Lisa on the show today thank you so much you have done literally everything so I'm excited to dive into it all (laughs) Um, so let's thank start. you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> let's start maybe with a brief intro. Um, just like if you want to like do a quick intro to the audience, we're going to dive in through everything, but just to give a little background on you. Sure. Um, so I'm an attorney turned entrepreneur. I have four companies that I started here in Nevada. Um, I'm a former Miss Nevada United States, and I'm also currently a candidate for Congress for Nevada's fourth district. Awesome. Great. I was like, how is she going to tie all this in together? But you did it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I want to go back a little bit to the beginning of this entrepreneurial journey. So did you always know that you were going to be a business owner? Like, how did that start? Like as a kid, was that like, were you like entrepreneurial status or like, how did that come about? I guess. Yeah, you know, I don't have that kind of stereotypical entrepreneur story where you're like, oh, I was like hustling baseball cards with my lemonade stand (laughs) when I was eight. Like, I don't have that. Um, Growing up, um, my parents were very, very focused on academics um, and going to grad school, right? It was like, are you going to be a doctor or a lawyer? Those were the two options. 
Um, and so I, from a pretty young age, knew that I was definitely going to be going to grad school. Um, and I decided I was going to go to law school. Um, I love to read and write. Um, those are definitely skill sets that I feel like I excel at and that I'm also passionate about. And so it was kind of an easy choice out of the two options. And um, so that's what I did. I went to college, um, got a political science degree, um, which I pursued simply because I thought that was a stepping stone for law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I did. Um, so then, you know, finished up school moved to Nevada and started working my big girl job at the law firm. Um, and during that time, um, one of my girlfriends, who's also my partner with Sin City Cupcakes, um, she and I, her name is Danielle, she and I met in the modeling industry, oh my gosh, a really long time ago now. We met when I was in school still. And um, we were just chatting on the phone one night. Hey girl, what have you been up to? And she told me she'd been making these alcohol cupcakes. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, I was like, that's an amazing idea. And at the time I was living in Nevada um, and she was living in Florida. And I was like, just move, just move to Las Vegas. Like, I'll help you start the company. Like, I don't even know how to bake, but we'll figure it out. And that's what we did. And, and so, you know, we made every mistake in the book when you first start a company, but it was just so fun. And we, started that company on a whim because we were both really excited and, you know, loved our product. We're excited about the product and we were excited to be part of people's special occasions. And that's exactly what happened. We started the company in 2012 and never looked back. That's so cool. So how did that go? Cause you're working this like big girl, big girl lawyer job. When was like the tipping point, I guess, of like, you know what, I might leave that behind so I can focus on this on Sin City Cupcakes. Yeah. So, um, it happened really organically. Um, it started out where the arrangement was, you know, I'm working full time in, you know, this office and I have a full time job. And so I was just there to help the business on like evenings and weekends. Um, and it's funny because looking back, I'm like, wow, like I was working seven days a week, day and night, like, you know, but, but when you're doing it and you're into it and you're building it, it doesn't feel like work. Um, And so fast forward 18 months of Sin City Cupcakes in operation and we're growing and, you know, we're getting our name out there. We're getting more publicity. Um, I realized, you know, at the firm, um, I really liked my job. I really liked the people that I worked with and I still have a great relationship with like my old boss and my old firm. Um, But it was one of those things where um, because I wasn't like as into it anymore, Mm-hmm. I knew that my work quality was going to suffer because I just didn't care as much anymore. And so, um, you know, just had a, a conversation with my old boss at the time and, you know, just kind of um, realized, hey, like this is an opportunity for me to um, get excited about my own company and kind of jump in both feet first. And, and so that's what I did. 18 months into Cincinnati Cupcakes being in operation, um, I ended up making that switch and um, then realized, oh, I can start other businesses as long as I have an operations partner and we're able to work together and you know align with goals and share common goals. And that's what I did. Very cool. I love that. And I like that you mentioned the 
having like a partnership too. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think um, you have you have other partnerships in your other businesses as well. So can you talk about that? Because I think that's a little bit of a struggle for some people, either finding the right business partner or establishing some ground rules. Like how has that process been for you? Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of partners. At least for me, it's worked out really well. Um, I'm definitely a big believer that um, two heads are better than one, you know, two brains are better than one. And it's just, you know, simply if you team up with an operations partner that, you know, has more experience than you do in certain realms of the business, um, and there are certain aspects and qualities that they bring to the partnership that you don't have, um, I think that's an ideal match. If you are too alike, especially in personality types, um, that may work for a short term, but I think oftentimes, more often than not, you end up seeing people butt heads. And so, um, you know, for me, it's worked out really well because I've always sought out um, great operational partners who are very good at what they do, they're passionate, um, you know, we get along and they bring items to the table and to the company that I'm just either not good at at all, or I'm not like top notch at. So we need to do our best to complement each other. That's awesome. Love that. So how did the journey to Miss Las Vegas and Miss Nevada come about too? Cause that was a little bit after this time, correct? While you were still running Sin City Cupcakes? Yes. Yeah, so um, it just, it, it came about, my mom called me the end of 2013 and she was like, Hey, are you competing for Miss Las Vegas? And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of busy. Like <laughs> I just started like Cincinnati cupcakes and I was getting real estate going. Like I had so much going on. And she was like, well, you're getting ready to age out. I was like, Oh, <laughs> you just wake up one day and you're aging out of pageantry and modeling. And so with the Miss United States organization, um, the age cutoff for the Miss division, M-I-S-S, was 29 at the time. Um, and I was 28 the fall of 2013. I would have been 29 by the time Nash rolled around in 2014. So this was my last chance at a, you know, at a premier state title. And so I buckled down and hired a pageant coach and I mean, just got really serious um, about winning um, and just amped up my um, community involvement. You know, I had been involved and was volunteering here and there, you know, and helped with some nonprofits. But um, the amazing part about pageantry is that everyone has a different journey. Every woman competes for a different reason. Um, and for me, because I was already established in a career like right i already finished school for quite some time um my modeling career at that point was pretty much kind of it was wrapping up it was on the tail end of it as opposed to the beginning of it um so i wasn't competing to try to gain more exposure and get a modeling contract or you know move to la and become an actress or you know whatever those other routes are i looked at the pageantry as an opportunity to elevate my community involvement um, you know, ingratiate myself, get really involved and bring, help bring attention to some of these great nonprofits that we have that need help. Awesome. I love that you bring that up because I watched your uh, TEDx talk and you talked a lot about community. And I think it expands so much even to like all business owners, people who are even trying to like build communities online on social media. Like I really like that you put an emphasis on that. So can you talk a little bit about why that like community engagement is 
important to you and why that should be something that more people are like getting involved in? Yeah, I think community is just incredibly important. It's really the backbone of our society, like our community involvement and the fact that we are social creatures um, and that we want to build um, a sense of belonging and a sense of value, right? That we're purposeful in what we're doing. Um, so that's why, you know, family unit is so important, right? You know, a lot of people put emphasis on family and that, that is your own little community, right? It's a little micro community, your own immediate family. Um, and then expanding out from that, you know, just to your point, you know, business community. Um, what I love about Las Vegas is that we have a really strong local business community, you know, small mom and pop, you know, maybe one or two location places. And, they love this community. They, you know, want to support any way that they can when it comes to nonprofits or, you know, schools or sporting teams or whatever. Um, and in addition to that, the local community here also very much wants to support small local business. Um, and I just think without that, um, you know, you, I think you could just become lost in the wind. Like it won't matter where you're from or what kind of impact you want to make because you don't have a community that's there to, um, benefit and that is there to help you grow and is there to, um, you know, really provide that sense of belonging and purpose that we all crave. Mm -hmm, totally. Right. I also liked that in your TEDx talk, you talked about how from the outside, like looking in, you were kind of like, oh, spending so much time away from my businesses may not be so good, but actually being out in the community, it actually had the opposite effect. Like they were doing great because of that, which kind of reminds me almost like that networking element, like how like you grow your businesses to actually be there talking to people. Like you can do only so much maybe on social media, which I think is great, but I have a feeling that you're probably pretty good at networking and being out there and talking to people because of being in a lot of those situations. Like you were at so many community events and having to talk to people you didn't know all the time. Do you have any tips or insight for people that may not be as comfortable putting themselves out there or even like approaching strangers or at like networking events or in that situation? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest mistake people make, so number one, I don't go to like networking events. I don't go to like, you know, the happy hours that are like for professional, you know, whatever development and it's 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. and people show up with a stack of business cards. Like I don't go to stuff like that. Um, maybe that works for some people, but for me personally, um, I crave more of a connection and I have found time and time again, 100% of the time that focusing on relationship building is what will help you in the long run and also um, help you give back. So I've always been very focused on how can I provide value. And it's even in, you know, when you're trying to reach out to mentors, right? And you reach out to people who just seem so far removed from you. You know, they're, they're a billionaire who owns a casino, right? Like you're just like, God, like how do I get there? You know, what did you do? And I think it's off-putting when people reach out and they're like, hi, do you want to be my mentor? And you're just like, I don't know you, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like that's such an awkward thing. It's kind of like walking up to someone and being like, hey, do you want to be my friend? Right? Like think of all the friends you have in your life. None of them started out as that type of question and relationship, right? It, it totally. grew organically over time. And it was because you guys talked with each other and hung out and, you know, th there was a contemporaneous, contemporaneous exchange of like value there. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're looking at ways to expand your network and if there's, you know, people that you see that you want to emulate and that you want to learn from, 
find a way to befriend them, find a way to add value to them. Um, you know, one of my mentors, you know, I bring him up because he is, he's a billionaire who used to own a casino and, you know, how I got connected with him was, you know, there was like a chance meeting and it was just a large group of people. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe he remembers me, maybe not, but I made sure to consistently follow up and I would just ping him like once every like two or three months and literally just be like, oh, hey, how are you doing? I read this article in the New York Times and it reminded me of blah, blah, blah. And like, I'd love to get your thoughts on it and just sent it to him. Mm -hmm. Right. So it wasn't like this pesky, hey, I'd love to meet up. Can we have coffee? Like, I didn't do that, right? I would send him articles that I would find interesting related to his industry. I would ask him questions. Like I tried my best to kind of build a relationship so much so that at, you know, months went by and he replied back and he was just like, call my assistant, make an appointment. He's like, just come in, you know, like, like <laughs> he knew what I was doing. You know what I mean? He's not a stupid person. Um, but he said, you know, he's like, I appreciated that out the gate, you weren't just like, oh my gosh, I would love to pick your brain and I would this and that. And he was like, I just appreciated that. Like you sent me cool stuff for me to read and didn't bother me about things. And you know, like that's what he appreciated. And so I think it's about finding value, finding ways that like you can be valuable to someone who you might look at and say, wow, like we're so different. We're so far apart. Um, but there's always value that you can bring. Yes. I love that so much. I think that's such a huge misconception that people have when they are reaching out to mentors or even like establishing a brand. It's like, oh, well, I, I'm not the billionaire who owns the casino yet. So I have nothing mm -hmm. to offer, but that's totally not true. So I love mm -hmm. that. Such great insight. Um, so I want to, so back to like our timeline here on Sin City Cupcakes, how was that introducing it? Because it is like, it, you guys are the like Sin City Cupcakes. When you first introduced the idea, I'm sure like Vegas, I would think received it pretty well. Uh, but how was like, can you describe like those first few months in operation, getting the brand set up and how, I guess how it's different now? Yeah. Um, you know, it was just really exciting. And we, we, Danielle and I were just so excited. Like we were, you know, we're, we're still excited. We love our company, but like, especially in the beginning, like you're just so pumped. Um, and so, you know, we, we got our branding down, got the website stood up, um, you know, started taking our first couple of orders and, you know, just really kind of spreading the word like on social media and then reaching out to every like press opportunity we could possibly find. Um, so we started collaborating. We're really big on collaboration. And so we started collaborating with other local places. Um, one of them is Fuku Burger. They are Japanese American burgers with a twist and they're a local um, burger place here in Las Vegas. Um, and they're awesome guys. And um, they were on the map and on our radar. We'd followed them on social media for some time um, because they were the first, like one of the very first like food trucks in Vegas when food trucks were just starting, right? I think their food trucks started in like 2010. Wow. So they were one of the first, you know, um, really pioneers in the space. And they're also cool, fun people. And, and so we teamed up with them. Um, we did our first like big collaboration, big event with them. It was 4th of July of that year. Um, but, you know, we got really lucky and it was just a lesson in staying on top of your inbounds. So like four months into operation, we get an email to the company email and it was like, hey, I'm a reporter for Fox News. 
um, International, and we're doing a piece on like fun alcohol items on the strip, your bakery came up. We'd love to film with you guys tomorrow morning. Are you available? And we were just like, what's this? And so, you know, we scroll down and, and we didn't know if it was spam. We weren't sure if it was like real. And the reply email address was at foxnews.com. So it was like legit, you know, and we were like, okay. And so we just called the reporter. His name, number was in the email address, our email signature. And, and so we called the reporter and he was like, Hey, he was like, thanks for getting back with me. He was like, I sent out like, I sent out like a generic email to like 10 different companies and you guys were the first ones to call me back. He was like, cool, like let's set it up. And they had to film at like six in the morning the next morning. Um, and so we did that. We filmed the segment. Um, and then that clip went viral. It was so popular. It was on the front page of foxnews.com back in like 2012. It was like on the front page. Um, and that clip went out to like Australia, Canada, um, New Zealand, the UK, like it went out everywhere and it couldn't have been better timing because during that time, you know, that was still a recession here in Vegas. Things were still kind of bottoming out here at that time. So we didn't have as many domestic travelers as we do now, for example. Um, but we had a lot of international travelers because the dollar was also weak at that time too. And so you had people coming in for their bachelorette parties or weddings or special events or whatever. And they were flying in from Australia and the UK and all these places that they got a chance to see us. Um, and so we were able to really bolster our brand identity and get some new customers in the process for free, right? We didn't pay for that PR. We didn't pay for the spot. It was just simply, we got back to him first out of everyone that he had emailed. I love that. I think that's like right there, like, bam, everyone like take note of that. How, cause how many like emails are sitting in our inbox unread oh or gosh. like DMs where it's like, Oh, I don't even want to deal with it. But how many missed opportunities are in there too? So that is exactly. such great advice. Be the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so you do, you're involved in a lot. So I want to get like the timeline here. So you're Sin City Cupcakes is going, you're Miss Nevada. Where does Liquid and Lace come in, the real estate, ship Las Vegas? So can you kind of talk through those a little bit? Yeah. So with the real estate, um, I was an agent with Sotheby's first before starting the Christie's brokerage. And so I was a Sotheby's from 2013 um, up until I started the Christie's. Um, And um, Liquid and Lace is 2014. Um, and then ship Las Vegas was 2018. So yeah, rapid succession. Yes, that's awesome. And I love it too, because I think sometimes we get so, at least a lot of the people that I talk to, a lot of us are in like the digital space. You get so wrapped up in, oh, like they, for as far as like branding goes, you can only like pursue one thing. So I have to just do this. But I like that you're involved in so many different industries and like, just so many different like pockets of like where your businesses are. So can you talk a little bit about starting? So some people are too afraid to even start one thing, but you have been able to start in all these different things. Is there anything like, what is it that you are able to do that? Like what like words of encouragement would you give to somebody who is afraid to start um, something new because you've started all these new things so many times. So like kind of that word of wisdom or that encouragement, something that you could say to that person. Yeah. So it's twofold. One is you can't be concerned with what others are going to think of you like, Oh no, I'm wearing too many hats or, Oh no, I don't want to look whatever. Right. Like 
if they're not paying your bills, like you can't be concerned with what they think of you. Um, and then secondly, you have to pursue opportunity when it comes your way and like it speaks to you, right? Like, I don't know anything about the shipping industry, right? Like it's not like I went to school for it or that I'm super passionate about like boxing things up and mailing it out. But what I am passionate about is building multiple streams of revenue so that I can live a life that I want to live and be comfortable and be able to provide. And with the shipping business, I saw an opportunity for us to create a brand within the space and um, build a business out of it. And, and I think that's, that's what it takes. It's you have to be open to opportunity, even if it's not an industry you're familiar with or that you necessarily thought you'd like or whatever it is. I mean, just keep your ear open. Keep your ear to the ground when there's new opportunities that come about. Um, explore them, vet them, and then team up with an operations partner that can help you actually do the work. Like it takes work, right? It's a heavy lift to get anything started. Um, but you have to know what you're good at and what things you bring to the table. So that way you can come in and replicate that over and over. Biggest learning lesson as a business owner. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it, it touches back on, you know, what we had discussed before, but um, provide value, whether it's a shipping store or, you know, you're selling cupcakes or you're doing consulting or whatever it is, provide value, find ways to help your customers because that's how you're going to grow, right? If you have good customer service and you're doing the right thing by your customers and by your staff, you will grow. You will make money. Um, it's just, it, they go hand in hand. So um, focus on that. Focus on providing value um, regardless of what the industry is or what the task is. That is perfect. And you, you got it before I even got there. I, the next thing I was going to ask about was customer experience and customer service. Mm -hmm. um, so why, ha like how, because you're dealing with customers in so many different industries, what's the one thing that remains the same, I guess. Like what's one thing that like, oh, the blanket statement for like good customer service in all these different industries you could share like an insight or a tip. Yeah. Um, it sounds, it sounds silly or maybe really, really obvious, but be communicative. Um, especially if something's gone wrong, right? If the delivery was on its way and the cupcakes, you know, someone hit the brakes and the cupcakes got smushed or whatever, you know, like, call the customer, send them the photo, apologize and tell them they'll get remade and the delivery is just going to take a little longer. Like if you can be on top of it and be communicative, it doesn't matter what mistake has happened. I've found, you know, nine times out of 10, the customer is not going to be mad. And in fact, they're going to be like appreciative of the fact that you were proactive and said, Hey, I'm calling you to let you know that this happened and this is what we're doing to fix it that's what people want. They, they want communication and they want to know that you care enough to own up to it and then say, Hey, this is what I'm doing to fix it. Love. Yes. And how do you instill that in employees? And is that something that starts in like the hiring process right away, like right at the beginning, like that good customer service? Because of course, like you and your co-founder would be like, okay, I'm all into this, but how do you instill that customer service and excitement in employees? We always look for customer service. It doesn't matter what position I'm hiring for. 
customer service is like the baseline. Um, so I found, um, you know, for example, even our real estate brokerage, um, one of our amazing stellar agents, she's totally, she's crushing it. Um, she came to us as a brand new, you know, green, wet behind the ears agent, had never even done a single real estate transaction before for a client, but she came to us with 16 years of banking experience working at a retail bank, right? So you can imagine she's been yelled at. She's had, you know what I'm saying? Like she's, yes. <laughs> she's worked with every type of customer under the sun, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so we knew that she knew customer service and understood the importance of it. And she's crushing it. And it's the same thing even with our shipping store. My, um, my partner with the shipping store um, she actually has a teaching degree and was a teacher for a while. But in addition to that, um, she also has a background doing bartending because here in Vegas, you can crush it as a bartender. And, um, you know, with that type of background, I knew she'd be able to pick up the ropes of how to ship out a package and, you know, kind of run day-to-day -day management. But most importantly, she's dealt with every type of customer you could possibly think of, right? Okay. <laughs> annoying, drunk, you know, whatever, right? Like oh. she's dealt with it all and has had to be quick on the fly and be accommodating and, you know, like all those things that you need. Um, so customer service is just always the baseline. I don't care so much about your experience per se in the particular industry. What I'm looking for is do you have the skill set to provide excellent customer service and are you resourceful enough to get yourself out of a pinch if your back is against the wall or are you just going to look around and say, I don't have the protocol in front of me. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to be resourceful. Love. And then, so you have your hands in so many different things. How do you stay like productive on tasks? Like, do you have any like hacks for productivity? You know, for me each day, like, there's no days that are the same. However, mm -hmm. I do have like routines where, you know, for example, it'll be like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, I know that there's like real estate stuff going on because the weekends kind of Friday through Sunday, it's busy with cupcakes. Like that's like our rush, right? So each business has kind of an ebb and flow of when there's a peak time when there's a slow time and it's the same during the year as far as seasons too. Um, you know, traditionally with real estate, the kind of Thanksgiving into Christmas into new year's time can be quiet other than maybe some investor clients yet that's the busiest time for the shipping stores because mm -hmm. it's holiday shipping. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you can familiarize yourself with, what the ebb and flow is in each of your endeavors, then you can kind of carve out that routine where you know that this day or this period of time is going to be dedicated to that task or that company. And then another time is another company. Yes. Love that. Such a great insight. Um, I want to talk about like into, we're going to go into your current adventure, what you're working on now. So how do you even decide to get into politics? So like, how did that whole thing happen? Was it just like an idea or was it kind of something I like grew for a while? Yeah. So it's so, it was so not in the plan, right? <laughs> like <laughs> politics is not in the plan. Um, but I've definitely um, come to realize if we as private sector individuals 
don't step up, we are going to end up electing more of the same. Right. And so we look around and we're always just like, God, these are our choices. Like this is, this is what we got. And yet none of us ever enter the ring because we're too busy or that's not what we want to do, or that's not who I am. I'm not a politician or, you know, whatever the justification is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this came about because I was talking to my customers up at our other location of our shipping store in the Northeast of Las Vegas. And they were the ones telling me that they were unhappy with the current congressman. And I'm like, who I'm like Googling this. And, you know, they're telling me that he's gone DC on them and that he had moved out of state, that he had moved to Virginia. And I was like, wow, what do you mean? What do you mean you moved? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, if you represent an area, then aren't you supposed to be a resident here? Right. And they're like, no, like he moved and, you know, his kids, they used to go to school in Vegas. Now they go to school in Virginia. And like, it's just, it's not right. Right. Like if you, want to make a family decision for yourself to move your family, right? That that's on you, but don't pretend to represent a community that you're just no longer part of. And also take taxpayers dollars as your salary to represent a community that literally you're not engaged in, that it has the needs and that you're not working for. And that's when I was just like, man, like someone should run against this guy. Like really, you know what I mean? Like, like this is real. And, you know, I'm talking to colleagues, I'm talking to friends and time and time again, they're just like, Lisa, you should do it. Lisa, like you should do it. And I was just like, no, no, you know, it's not in the plan. It's not for me. I know politics is dirty. Like it's nasty, you know. And then I just came to realize, look, like 2020 is the year, like this is the year for private sector individuals to come off the sidelines and throw our hats in the ring. And, you know, it's to be determined, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully I'll win. But if I don't win, there's, I am so blessed and thankful to have so many supporters in our community who are just like, you have to try, you have to try. And, and so that's what we're doing. So cool. So how do you even do that? Like, so do you like start getting like, can you explain like the process a little bit for people that don't know, because literally no clue about any of that. So like, do you okay. Just, so I the campaign, day? yeah, it, no, the campaign is like starting another company. Really? It's like another I venture. <laughs> That's how much time and energy and effort and like all the wow. things, right. It's literally like starting another company. Um, cause think about it. If you think about the campaign and you, the candidate, are the product, right? Your customer is the voter and you're trying to get people who don't know you to believe in you and mm -hmm. vote for you, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you build that out, right? So then if I'm the owner of the company, right, as the, as the candidate, the owner of the campaign, then I need a CEO. Who's my CEO? That's my GC, my general consultant. I need a COO, I need a body, I need a day-to-day. -day. That's my campaign manager. Your campaign manager is your day-to-day -day person. Your GC helps you run that kind of high-level strategy. Your campaign manager is your COO, helps you run the day-to-day -day of execution of that high-level strategy. And then under that, you've got a finance director who's like your CFO. You've got, and also like your fundraising. Um, you've got all your vendors, right? You've got a mail vendor for direct mail. You've got a digital vendor. You've got um, a data director. You, you have all these players in the space that are vendors that are just like if you were to build out this company. Um, and ultimately the end goal is to 
make sure that you're providing value to your customer, which is the voter. So, you know, that's how I looked at it. And then we just started putting the, the pieces together. Um, and I've been really lucky to have just a really incredible experienced team um, who, you know, took a chance on me as a candidate, right? Because I'm, I'm a political unknown. Um, I've never run for office before. And usually in, I think in other time periods in our country, that would be a huge disadvantage. That would be like, oh, you're not ready. Like you need to be, you know, you should run for city council first and then, you know, do this and run for state assembly and then you can run for Congress or whatever, right? And I'm just going whole hog. I'm running at the federal position. I'm running for the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm running for Congress. And the community is responding to that, right? They don't want a career politician. They want someone who's actually from the community, who's here and provides value, creates jobs, you know, volunteers on boards, like just a regular person who's part of this community and is standing up and saying, I care enough to throw my hat in the ring and like work and do something. And that's what's, what's been resonating. That's so cool. I was actually going to ask you, oh, how has being a business owner helped you? But now I can see it. Like that's a perfect way to think about it. That's super cool. Um, anything <laughs> else you would like to add like to that question? Uh, like how has being a business owner helped you throughout this process? Yeah. You know, it's, it's been incredibly helpful because you know, you have this um, immediate base of support. Like, you know, my customers, they're so excited that I'm running. Um, and, you know, so it doesn't matter like about like party affiliation, right? Like they're not, it's not, they're not looking at it from a partisan lens um, because I have, I have customers who, you know, maybe we differ on certain ideological standpoints, right? But at the end of the day, they have seen me around for years. They know I'm part of this community. They know I care. And that's what's important to them. R or D next to my name, that's not as important as someone who's part of the community and that they trust. Yes. Wow. Well, a little clap there. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, so before we dive into so the rapid fire round, I wanted to ask you, so you wrote an article for Forbes a few years ago about morning rituals for a successful day. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on morning rituals, how you wake up. I know I struggle with just like looking straight at the phone. That's something I need to work on mm -hmm. and a lot of people need to. Mm -hmm. But so how do you start your day? Why is starting your day off right so important? Oh, it's incredibly important. And I think especially for me, because no two days are the same, I need some sort of stability. And at least that can happen in the morning. Um, so for me, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but I do try, as soon as the alarm goes off, I try to get up, like just get up, don't hit snooze. Um, and then I do not jump on social media. Like the first thing I do, I'll text um, my parents and just send a positive outbound text like, hey, have a great day, love you. Um, and you can text anyone, right? Friends, family, even someone you haven't talked to in a while. Like if you can start your day with like a positive intention, it's kind of like cheap gratitude journaling, right? Like it's, you're starting the day on a positive note and you're putting out that kind of positive outbound. I think that's incredibly important. And you can do that from anywhere, right? You could be traveling and you know, wake up in a hotel room, but like you can, you can start your day in that consistent manner. Um, and then at that point, you know, I think it's just kind of getting into your groove and getting into your routine. Like I know that it takes me a set period of time to put on my makeup and do my hair, 
you know, and so I'm stationary. And so, you know, I like to have podcasts going. It depends what mood I'm in. You know, maybe I want to be yelled at by Gary Vee. You know, maybe <laughs> I want to be inspired by Tony Robbins. Like it depends, right? It depends what mood you're in. Um, but you can have, you know, these great um, sources of information and motivation going on in the background while you're stationary and just kind of getting ready for the day. And it just helps set the tone. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We all need that. We all need that good tone for the day. <laughs> um, and then I wanted to ask you too about expanding your businesses because I know that Sin City Cupcakes is now in Texas. So did you ever think it would expand? And how did that process go? Like, how did you find people that aligned with your uh, mission as well? And how did that process go? Yeah. I mean, we had um, probably like, you know, every month we would have somebody from somewhere from another city reach out to us and say, hey, I would love to start a Sin City Cupcakes in Nashville or Orlando or wherever they're calling from. And, you know, for us, our biggest hurdle was who's the operations team there because we're not moving to insert your city, you know, mm-hmm. um, who's the operations team, who's actually going to be executing on this. Um, and so Texas came about because um, a very close girlfriend of mine, Andrea Fox, she's actually a former Miss Texas United States. And we met through pageantry, actually. Awesome. Um, she's amazing. And she had reached out and she was just like, hey, like myself and, um, you know, one of her girlfriends, Sydney, um, she was like, we talked about it and we would love to see how we could do Sin City Cupcakes here in Dallas. And I was like, well, let's talk about it. And I think, I think that's the key. Like, it doesn't necessarily matter whether that person, you know, has a ton of experience in that industry per se. But the question is, when you're expanding, the question is, do you have processes that are replicatable? Can they be taught to someone else that, you know, obviously is, is competent and has, you know, the skill set to at least follow directions, right? Um, can your core processes and procedures be taught to someone else in a manner where you end up with the same product on the back end where it's replicated. And, and that's what we did. We had been able to dial in our recipes and our procedures and even, you know, our vendors of the ingredients that we use. Um, we were able to, to dial all of that in so that way it can be replicated. That's awesome. And that's so smart. That's awesome. And it's nice too, that you already had a relationship with that person. I'm th- I think that's probably a huge component on the success of that too. I think that's really important. You know, you hear oftentimes like, you know, oh, don't, don't team up with family members or don't team up with friends. Um, granted, I have not ever gone to business with a family member. That might be a little different. Um, just, you know, like how my mom and I work together, um, which is, you know, a, a whole other story. Um, but, you know, I think with friends, there's a great strength there because you know that person and they know you. And you know what they're like when they're mad. You know what they're like when they've had a bad day. You know what they're like after they've just been yelled at by someone. You know what I mean? Like, are they, do, do they clam? Do they shout back and then apologize later? Or, you know, like you know that about them. You've seen them in those personal moments and those personal experiences. And all of those things happen in a business. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a strength to know that about your partner before it happens in business and then you find out that they're a hothead or you find out that they clam up and don't want to talk to anyone for two days and then they emerge and have something to say. Like right. if, if you're learning that through the business, I think it's just even more stressful. 
Mm -hmm. Definitely for sure. And then I know, I know I was already like, Oh, before we get to the rapid fire, but I've asked you a million questions since then. (laughs) I could talk to you forever. Um, but really the last one this time before we headed to the rapid fire round, um, liquid and lace. Can we talk about that a little bit? How did that whole venture come about in this timeline? And yeah, can we hear a little bit more about the story there? Yeah, so that was back in 2014 when we got started with that. And it's just, um, it's an online swimwear and accessories brand, um, you know, e-commerce store. And um, I love it. It's it's a fun, easy business, you know. Um, I think a lot of people, especially now, have been turning to e-commerce. You know, everyone shops online. It's so mm-hmm. easy to to click and pay and get your stuff shipped to you. So, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of going shopping to like the mall it's just not often not the first choice. And so, you know, I'm a huge proponent of online brands, e-commerce brands. I definitely think um, there's a lot of room for growth in those industries and it's definitely where the future consumer is. Definitely love it. Okay. So we're going to head into the rapid fire round. It sounds scary. I still need to figure out a better name for it because it sounds too intense. It's fun. (laughs) Um, But so basically just say the first thing that comes to mind, it'll either be like a this or that question or a fill in the blank and you can take your time and you can elaborate too, if you want to add some extra to it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So we'll start off with an easy one. Morning person or night owl? Morning. Nice. My day is not complete without. Coffee. I have, (laughs) that's a popular one. (laughs) Yeah, I'll bet. (laughs) I have blank with me at all times. Um, well, I do have a concealed carry permit, so usually I do have a firearm (laughs) oftentimes. (laughs) Um, other than that, um, I'd say, yeah, my lip gloss. Nice. That's the first time anyone's ever brought up a permit. <laughs> I am most proud of. I'm most proud of being able to be in a position to give back to the community and create the opportunities that I have. Favorite book, resource, podcast, one of those mediums that's really had an impact on you that you'd want to share? There are so many great ones. <laughs> one of my favorites that immediately comes to mind is Tim Ferriss' Tools of Titans. It's basically like a synopsis of, um, you know, hundreds of podcasts that he's done with, you know, every successful person under the sun. Um, and it's compiled into one book. That's awesome. Okay. I think I've seen that. It's like a thick book, It's a right? big, yeah. it looks like a dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a big, thick book. But what's great about it, it's not one of those books that you read like end to end. Um, you can hop around in it because each, it, every like two or three pages is a synopsis of a podcast interview that he did with somebody, right? Whether it's Tony Robbins or Oprah or name your athlete or, or people you've never even heard of. Um, but they're successful in their own right in their own industry. And it's literally boiled down to these, like, what do you eat in the morning? What's your morning routine? Like, what's your favorite? Like, it's, it's great. So so you can read like two pages and like get your fill for the day. That is awesome. I love it. Okay. Definitely need to get that one. Um, best advice I've ever received. My parents told me from when I was really young, um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So, you know, ideally if you have both, great, but you know, work hard, like you can outwork anyone in the room and that will benefit you. 
Love. That's so true. Love that quote. As like someone who's a brand builder, best branding tip that you've learned through building all these different businesses? Don't be scared to take a risk and be be authentic. It's, it sounds so canned, right? Be authentic, be original. Like it's, <laughs> I know it sounds so generic, but you know, I've learned, especially through this political process, right? I am not your cookie cutter Republican by any means. I'm not 70 years old and white man, right? Like <laughs> I couldn't be more contrasted. Um, and sometimes, you know, especially early on when I was betting um, my team, right? Trying to build out my team. I did meet some people who just could not, they wanted to stuff me into a box. They wanted to stuff me into what they think the voter is going to, is going to respond to. And I was just like, that's not me. Like, like some of those things I align with and some of those things I don't. And so I don't want to do that. Um, and I'm really lucky and thankful to have a team around me that understands that I'm going to be me through this process because I have nothing to gain by becoming a career politician. I don't want to be, become a career politician. I want to do this for a set period of time and work hard and make some differences and help people and then get out, you know? So, mm -hmm. so I was like, so I have to be myself. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're pandering at that point. And then last one, I'm inspired by. Oh, so many. I'm inspired by the strength of community. Um, you know, we're seeing it right now living through COVID, right? With the yeah. coronavirus craziness and we're all, you know, locked down and this and, you know, all these things. And it's scary. It's scary for a lot of people. And it's really discouraging and disheartening um, at times, you know, and we all know someone who's been impacted, whether they've lost a job or a business owner who's been closed. I mean, it's really troublesome. Mm -hmm. But what you're seeing is an emergence of community and you're seeing people band together and make the best of a bad circumstance and um, radiate hope. There has to be hope. I love that. And it's so true. So true. You're, you're seeing it everywhere that that's really what people are holding on to when there's nothing really else to. So that's perfect. Mm -hmm. um, where can we all keep up with you, your website, your handles, all that good stuff? Yeah, you can find me on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Lisa Song Sutton. Um, my business website is lisasongsutton.com and my campaign website is lisafornevada.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Lisa. Wasn't she awesome? I'm so grateful she was on the show. Last but not least, before you go, my Friday favorite in typical working girl talk fashion, we're going to... We discuss a something that I found, whether it's a product, an app, a show, anything like that. There was something awesome that I found this week. And this week it was the Parks and Recreation reunion. So this probably is only interesting and cool if you were a Parks and Recreation fan. But they did a reunion where they were all like from home. So it was actually good and it was really fun to see all the characters. So if you were a fan of that show definitely go check it out and if you weren't go watch it on netflix because parks and recreation is way funny but it is a type of humor that i don't know if it's everyone's humor because i actually didn't realize a lot of people don't like it 
but I thought it was great and I loved it. So that is my Friday favorite this week. Love a good reunion. So with that, I will leave you. If anything resonated with you on today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I've seen your reviews lately and I'm so, so, so grateful. Thank you so much. Every review is just another way somebody can find the podcast. Thank you so, so much. And I will talk to you next week.